If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening and welcome to the show. Well, on April 8, 2021, the Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation published advice saying that people aged under 50 risked developing serious blood clots if they were jabbed with the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine. But instead of banning the AstraZeneca jab, Atagi simply added the advice that it was okay for doctors and pharmacies to jab young Australians with it as long as, quote, the person has made an informed decision based on an understanding of the risks and benefits, unquote. Atagi knew enough about the risks to suspend the AstraZeneca vaccine, as a dozen mostly European countries already had, or even ban it outright, as Denmark did a week later. But doing that would have seriously disrupted the COVID narrative, because Australia, in Australia, AstraZeneca was the only jab in plentiful supply at the time. Atagi said that pulling AstraZeneca off the shelves would, quote, impact the time frame to which the Australian population is protected against COVID, unquote. Well, they weren't kidding about that. When enthusiasm for the vaccines started to wane, causing a spike in COVID infections in Sydney in June 2021, Atagi upgraded its advice regarding AstraZeneca, saying, quote, the benefits of the COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca are greater than the risk of rare side effects for all age groups. All adults in Greater Sydney should strongly consider the benefits of earlier protection with COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca rather than waiting for alternative vaccines." Unquote. It went on to say a single dose provided more than 70% protection against hospitalisation, a claim that we all know now is absolutely laughable. 
the true figure is closer to zero. Despite the known risks associated with the AstraZeneca vaccine, the media pharmaceutical complex kept up the narrative. Who can forget this weird, almost creepy moment when the vaccine's British inventor, Dame Sarah Gilbert of, of Oxford University, received a standing ovation before the Wimbledon final in June 2021. So young people who were coerced by their employers to get vaccinated or be fired, rolled up their sleeves and complied, often with an AstraZeneca jab. And older Australians reassured by Atagi's advice that the dangers of AstraZeneca applied mostly to the young did likewise. Six months later, an Australian website called News GP was reporting that the age group in which AstraZeneca's vaccine had caused the most blood clots was, contrary to Atagi's advice, people between 50 and 59. Not all survived. The ABC reported last year, for example, the story of Robin, an apparently fit 77-year-old grandmother from Tasmania who was paralysed soon after her first AstraZeneca jab in July 2021. Her daughter described Robin's final weeks as like torture. But rest assured now, says Atagi, because, quote, AstraZeneca is no longer available as of 20 March 2023. So no further cases of AstraZeneca-related TTS can occur in Australia, unquote. Well, that is almost two years too late. So Atagi understated the risks, but what of the benefits? Well, they too were sketchy, as this video from Trial Site News explains. Like the other COVID-19 vaccines, a confluence of factors diluted its efficacy after it was put out to the public, particularly the ongoing mutation of the SARS-CoV-2 pathogen itself. For example, efficacy dipped to 61% against the Delta variant, and breakthrough infections are commonplace, with the various circulating Omicron subvariants. Authorities in the United States never approved the AstraZeneca vaccine. This in itself should have rung alarm bells given the appetite Americans have for pharmaceuticals. Last week, a class action was launched against AstraZeneca in Britain. This is just one of the litany of catastrophic errors made by Australian politicians and bureaucrats and multinational corporations at the expense of ordinary Australians regarding COVID and the experimental medicines that were sold as vaccines against it. The culprits weren't all scientists or snake oil salesmen either. Many of them were in the media. Adam Crichton, one of the few journalists to exercise scepticism about the vaccines in the pages of The Australian, a newspaper that was otherwise an enthusiastic supporter of the vaccine narrative, wrote yesterday that, quote, some fault must lie with a too credulous, incurious mainstream media, naive to the political and financial forces that pushed governments to eschew 
the more sensible path of voluntary COVID-19 vaccination, unquote. Well, that was just the start of it. Discussions of natural immunity, or even the benefits of losing weight, getting fit and turning sunlight into vitamin D, all proven benefits against an infection of the virus, were all ignored by the media and shut down by big tech. And I won't even get started on ivermectin. Well, as, Cri as, Creighton says, as Crichton says, the damn wall is breaking. Let's bring in the man who refused to comply with the narrative more than almost anybody in Australia, former Liberal member for the federal seat of Hughes in Sydney, Craig Kelly. Craig, welcome. Yeah, great to be with you, Fred. Craig, let's start with this latest development regarding AstraZeneca. The US never approved this drug, yet even after other countries also banned it, Atagi in Australia was promoting it because other brands were in short supply and nothing could disrupt the vaccine narrative. Craig, who paid the price for this misleading advice? Well, um, a lot of Australians have paid the price. We've all paid the price in the budget. We go back to March 2021, Fred, over two years ago now. The data coming through from Europe clearly showed, beyond any, uh, you know, any doubt, that the AstraZeneca was not safe and there were great, great question marks over its efficacy. Now, several European nations, based upon that data, pulled AstraZeneca from the market. And yet our bureaucrats here first here, they said, oh, nothing to see, nothing to see, keep rolling it out. And then finally, when more European nations pulled it out, uh, belatedly, the Australian um, health bureaucrats came in and they recommended it only for uh, over 50s. But in that small window of time, when there was first the alert out of Europe, they kept on injecting it, and there were several Australians that died during that period. There was a de tragic death of a lady uh, up in the central coast of Newcastle area. Uh, she had the AstraZeneca when it should have been suspended. If the Australian bureaucrats were following the lead from Europe, the European Medicines Agency, when the European Medicines Agency pulled it from it, the Australian bureaucrats sat on their hand they allowed the rollout to continue, and Australians have died because of their neglect. But Craig, now, I, I was calling based on that Europe. Yes, you. I mean, you were you, you were one of the few voices against this at the time. But, but even worse, when there were outbreaks in Sydney in June, Atagi actually increased its level of recommendation for AstraZeneca. So they were going in the opposite direction from Europe. I mean, this is this is. Yeah. Almost criminal, isn't it? Well, let, let's get everything, all those doubts and those risks, extra risks of AstraZeneca that are known today were known back in March and April of 2021. And yet it was only a few weeks ago here that the Australian uh, medical authorities have pulled AstraZeneca totally off the market. They waited for two years to act on this. Now, in that, that period... There are countless Australians that have been injured and maimed because they didn't, those bureaucrats didn't want to do anything to sort of disrupt or cause a vaccine hesitancy, as they like to call it. They, are, they have blood on their hands. They are responsible for the deaths and maiming and injury of countless Australians because they didn't want to act. You know, their, jo their, their whole job is to make sure 
that Australians are getting access to safe medicines. It was up to AstraZeneca to show it was safe, not up to some independent body to show it wasn't safe. And the burden of proof uh, should be on, you know, we say safety, safety, safety first. First, do no harm. They're the principles that we had. They're thrown out the window. And the other question I've got is that the Australian government signed a contract with AstraZeneca for 50, I think it was 54.8 million doses. That's the contract they signed. Now, we know from um, the TGA's own, own figures, less than 14 million doses uh, have been administered across Australia, probably 40 million more than should have. So it's 40 million extra doses that we've either thrown away or we've paid AstraZeneca for that they haven't produced because we contracted them. This is this is a disgrace. It is it is probably a waste in the billions, uh, billions of dollars. Four, 40 million doses, even at $20 a pop, is $800 million that's been flushed down the toilet on AstraZeneca. Well, if someone needs to help be held yeah, yeah. Think of the hospitals you could build with that. You know, the, the, the usual yeah. the usual analogy is think of the hospitals you could build with that. Well, we need them now more than ever because people are dying of these mm. these uh, useless vaccines. There's another cover up happening at the moment, Craig, and that is up in Queensland, which I'm sure you know about. This is the right. Queensland government started funding scientific research into the efficacy of vac vaccines mm. way back in May 2020. And it was going to be a five-year, sorry, 2021. <clears throat> it was going to be a five-year study involving 10,000 people. And it was already producing interesting insights into how people uniquely respond to these so-called vaccines. But last week, the government suddenly ripped out the funding. What happened? Look, this, is, this should be a scandal of the highest order. Where are the investigative journalists in this country? Let's just go through what happened. We currently have record excess mortality. In 2022, we know we only had the data out last Friday, and yet there's not a single mention of this anywhere in the media. We had over 25,000 extra Australians died, which can't be explained for what the reasons are. 25,000 extra Australians dead. That's something like you know, 2,000 a month more Australians dying. This should be a great concern to every single one. There's not a mention of it. Now, then we have this, what's called the Quovax study, which was one of the most extensive studies being undertaken anywhere in the world that would have given us a long-term data. They had 10,000 participants, both vaccinated and unvaccinated. It was due to go over five years, so we could look at the health outcomes over five years of people that had been vaccinated, people that hadn't been vaccinated, and how they were going. Right? So this, could have, this would have been the smoking gun to show the effectiveness or the ineffectiveness of the vaccines. And yet... We've had the Queensland bureaucrats pull the funding, so they're shutting down the trial. This is this is fraud because I'll tell you what, they knew, they knew that what those results were going to show. Already the results that are published from that study showed that those that have been vaccinated four or more times were more likely to have COVID and more likely to end up in hospital. That's what the results were showing. So rather than actually have a study that showed us these vaccines may be very dangerous, may be responsible uh, for this excess mortality. They've just shut it down altogether, pulled the funding out of it. It is, it is a disgrace of the highest order. And we have all the one thing. My call out is to all these teals that got elected at the last election. They came on and they said, oh, we want transparency in government and, and we're again, we're for all integrity in government. Well, come on, teals. 
there's, there's what, five, six of you in federal parliament. Not one of them has said a single word about this Quovac study. They are prepared to allow this malfeasance and allow this corruption to go passing by. That's my call out to the Teals. You say you're for integrity in government. How about speaking out against this this Quovac study being shut down? Well, they all voted against uh, an investigation into Australia's uh, right. commitment to the World Health Organization as well, didn't they? Yeah. Look, just disgraceful. Look, um, we raised this issue, the United Australia Party, we raised this issue before the last election. We said we cannot sign this World Health Organization treaty because in many aspects, it will be surrendering the sovereignty of our nation to make medical decisions if the World Health Organization declare another pandemic. Now, we've seen how appallingly the World Health Organization, their conduct uh, during this pandemic was, how they got decision after decision completely wrong and how they reversed it. They didn't know what they were doing. To think that we would surrender our decision-making to that Tedros character that runs the World Health Organization, the former Ethiopian Marxist, is going to make decisions in Australia. We tried to raise that at the last election and we were told, oh, you're a conspiracy theorists. Yeah. What's well, now going ahead? And what's worse, we've got in federal parliament, we've got a handful of people standing up against it and both the Labor and Liberal Party, oh, it's okay, no problem, we're just happy to sign this, not even to have an inquiry into it. Craig, speaking of an inquiry, how, sh how soon should we have a royal commission into all this? And if, if we could, if you could call the terms, what would you say the terms should be? Well, I, I think you would need... There is, this is such a big issue. I think you need multiple Royal Commissions. The first One of the first things you also need, you need our ACCC, the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, to go after and run a case against both Pfizer and Moderna for misleading and deceptive commerce, in misleading and deceptive conduct in trade or commerce, because that's what they have done. To get those vaccines to that provisional approval level, those studies that they ran were simply misleading and fraudulent. They pulled people out of the studies that had been vaccine injured to hide the true extent of the injuries. They should be being sued for billions of dollars by the ACCC. That is one study that needs to go on. We need to also look at how we're going to ensure freedom of speech in this country. Because when this is all boils down, the history is written, it'll be the failure to protect freedom of speech is the reason we've ended up in this mess. We need to look at the fiscal disaster, how much money was paid to these big um, you know, pharmaceutical companies. We know the, you know, uh, the government ordered something like 250 million doses. This but uh, before you move off freedom of speech and, and money changing hands, was any money paid to media companies? That's what I want to know because they were so conspicuously and overtly in favour of it all. Go on. Look, this is the greatest failure of the Australian media and also I think it's the greatest failure of the ABC. The only excuse that you can have for government funding of the ABC is that they're completely independent and they cannot be influenced by commercial concerns. The biggest cheer squad for Big Pharma during this last two years has been the ABC. It has been a disgrace, it has been a failure. It shows they've abandoned their charter there is not one journalist in there. There's not one journalist in the ABC that has even questioned anything from those big pharmaceutical companies. They've gone with. They've gone. They've just basically read the press releases from the big pharmaceutical companies without a critical eye, without scepticism, and that's what the ABC.
ABC is there for. So look, on this, now I was always saying, you know, give the ABC, there's some justification for them. But after the ABC's conduct during COVID, pull the funding from them, let them go and finance themselves. Well, speaking of the audience of, of ordinary Australians, your Twitter account has had more than 9 million views in the past 28 days. That's huge, Craig. What sort of feedback are you getting from ordinary Australians about this? Yeah, look, I actually I checked it. It was up over 10 million for the um, uh, 10 million for the last uh, 28 days, and that was somewhere where my previous Facebook uh, account was before Facebook uh, decided what I think was a criminal conduct at uh, basically censoring and basically sending my uh, entire Facebook page down a memory hole. Uh, obliterating it, obliterating personal things, uh, you know, photos I had from my father's funeral, personal images, all completely destroyed because I wouldn't go along with the man, you know, with all these mandates and all the narrative, which is now everything I said on, on that Facebook has been shown over time to be 100% correct. But look, it's, it's, it's good. I congratulate Elon Musk that he's opened Twitter up to a little, little bit more free speech. Uh, there's still a few things where I see it's, it's not 100%. I'd like him to do a little bit more. There's a few other accounts I've seen that haven't been reopened up uh, and closed down. But you know, just to think a minute, we had doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough in his field of uh, you know cardiology, one of the most published authors in history in the US uh, National Library of Medicine, and yet some uh, some like sort of like art student at uh, Twitter decided they would censor Dr. Peter McCullough, and Dr. Peter McCullough's for months was censored off Twitter so people couldn't hear what, what he was saying. So I'm glad that Elon uh, Musk has, has opened it up a little bit. And I've continued basically you know, to, to make that, um, you know, I'm simply publishing stories and information that the mainstream media won't cover. There's not a single mention anywhere about excess deaths in this country. Not a single mention in any mainstream media. You know, the data came out last week. I'm putting that about AstraZeneca. What do you think the, we heard that AstraZeneca has now been taken off the market? Do you reckon the ABC might have published something about that? You'd think they would, yeah. Well, Craig, I've got to say, well, I mean, that's, the, that's media, the media has changed enormously in our lifetime. When I, I first started in the media 30 years ago, and back in those days, media organisations, the, their business model was, we stick up for the little guy. You know, read our papers because we speak truth to power. <laughs> They are speaking, they are part of, the, yeah. part of the powerful elite now telling the readers what to do and think. Mm. But just uh, moving away from the media and back to the political sphere, what we've been talking about in this conversation is an absolute litany, litany of, of malfeasance and, um, and, and bad decisions that go against ordinary people. How can the coalition capitalise on this? How can the conservative parties <coughs> regain some electoral ground out of this, uh, this catastrophe? Well, firstly, they've got to be sure that they are truly conservative parties. I'll give you one example if you want to know where they go. We've seen the results in the New South Wales state election here. Across Sydney, uh, massive, unprecedented swings against the Liberal Party. Uh, you know, 12, 13% uh, down in Miranda. Uh, you know, we've seen 16, 17%. You know, uh, Double-digit swings throughout West Sydney. But uh, there's one seat that bucked the trend. That's the seat out in uh, Brinjilly, I think it's called, uh, out in Western Sydney. And the member there is Tanya Davis, a sitting member of that. And she had a swing tour. Yeah. You know what she did differently? 
she, she spoke out against yeah. the vaccine mandate. She, yeah, she stood up for she her stood up. She was the only member, the only member, the only Liberal member of Parliament that stood up for her constituents, spoke out against the lockdowns in Western Sydney, spoke out against the mandates. In fact, I think that she was called the, the Craig Kelly of the Liberal Party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and she's the only Liberal member of Parliament that had a swing to her. So I think there's a as many Liberal members are now sitting there cleaning out their offices and you know wondering what their new career is going to be. They missed the opportunity when it was time to speak out and stick to Liberal values. They shirked it, and now they're in opposition. And if you look at the electoral pendulum in New South Wales, it's difficult to see how the Liberals can can win back at the next election or even the one after. That's a, that is how disastrous the result was. Well, with any luck, you'll be back in Parliament soon as a representative of the UAP, Craig, and we need voices like you in power. Craig Kelly, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Red. That's Craig Kelly, who, despite the enormous campaign against him during the pandemic, even from his own former political party, the Liberals, has been proven right about the dangers of the so-called COVID vaccines. As we often say on this show, the truth vindicates. Well, that's all from me tonight. Thanks for watching. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find me at, at Fred Paul, that's F-R-E-D-P-A-W-L-E, -E, or follow ADH on at A-D-H-T-V-A-U-S. And you can catch all the latest from ADH's rapidly expanding lineup, including Alexandra Marshall, Daisy Cousins, David Flint, Nick Cater, Lyle Shelton, and of course, the great Alan Jones, by going to adh.tv or downloading our app or find us wherever you get your podcasts. ADH is the new home for common sense commentary and there is no shortage of things to comment about these days. I'll see you again tomorrow at 7 p.m. Good night.